Why do salmon swim upstream despite the threat of the bear? Because laying down the foundation for the next generation is worth the risk. This is the Upstream Podcast hosted by me, Salmon Like the Fish, where guests share their pearls of wisdom that could have only been realized through the journey against the current of life. Your presence here and now is no mistake. Keep your ears and your heart open. There is something for you to gain. This is Salmon with the Upstream Podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Angel Bosque. Am I saying that correctly? Bosques. Bosques. <laughs> Bosques. My Spanish is terrible. You know, I took three years of Spanish in high school, and all I know is, uh, donde esta la biblioteca? <laughs> why would you want to know the, where the library is? I don't know why. It was so important for them to teach us that. <laughs> for them to teach us that. If the world ends, I need to know where the library is. <laughs> All right, so today's episode uh, is actually going to be a two-parter. So the, the first part is going to be uh, myself interven- uh, interventioning, uh, interviewing Angel, and the next is going to be interviewing me. Um, for those who uh, don't know, we both work in mental health. Uh, Angel is himself a, a ment- uh, social worker who happens to work in mental health, recently recertifying for his uh, LCSW, correct? So I passed the, the clinical exam, so I am uh, an officially... I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Awesome. Congrats, man. Thank congrats. You, thank you. And also, congrats for the uh, recent uh, uh, news of a baby boy on the way. Yes, yes. Uh, baby boy is on the way. Um, May 2021. Very scary feeling. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as, as you know, you, you've been through it three times already. So I'm traumatized, man. <laughs> I might actually need some of your services uh, once this is done. Um, yeah, but so we're two men working in uh, mental health and... Uh, we also have to be concerned about our own mental health. Yeah. You know, the way I conceptualize mental health is, uh, and I think most people in the mental health community, you know, see mental health as this continuum. You know, it's not that you're mentally well and then not mentally well. It's like this continuum where you have people who are super mentally well. You know, think of these high-performing people, good relationships, able to effectively communicate, um, you know, handling their finances, handling their physical health, their mental health. You know, you have people like this, but then you have people on the lower end of the spectrum who are, say, you know, those who are uh, derelict in the street because they can't function. You know, they're on it, they're having hallucinations, mm-hmm. you know, things like this. And uh, everyone else kind of falls in between and we go up and down this uh, continuum, just like our physical health. Yeah. Right. I, I think also the fact that it's not really spoken about. Right. It's sort of like this. I don't want to say taboo because there are individuals and people who do feel um, comfortable in talking about their personal struggles, but it's not necessarily the norm, right? Um, a lot of people, when they think about mental health, they think about, like you are saying, the, a spectrum. They think about either schizophrenia or suicidal, you know, depressed individual, right? Like instead of the everyday person who has their up and ups and downs, who have who may experience anxiety attacks, uh, who may exper- experience, you know, depressive episodes, right? Um, so I, I think it's just not spoken about openly and, and that, and that's something in our culture and in our communities, we should, we should change and encourage people to, you know, sp- speak openly about, especially when it comes to, um, you know, in a machismo culture, you know, I come from, you know, a Latino culture where, you know, it's, uh, you know, men are supposed to be, you know, hunt, kill <laughs> animals and don't talk about anything don't shed a, a tear for any for anything uh except for you know you know if you're if you're one of your parents die or something like that even mm-hmm. then you know they're like you know suck it up you right, know? right um and 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 it, it goes back for from when individuals are little now i'm, I'm generalizing I'm, obviously there are people who who've never experienced this right they 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 are very open with their feelings and they talk um but 
I'll speak for myself and from my experience, you know, where you tell a young boy, you know, don't cry, suck it up. Boys don't cry. Boys don't do this. Boys don't do that. And, you know, this little three-year-old is looking up like, okay, I guess I can't show emotion. <laughs> otherwise, I get screamed at, you know. Um, and then that sort of, you know, develops into a teenager who's not talking about, you know, maybe not having a, a relationship, you know, you know, which is detrimental in those teenage years, right? Um, or having, you know, body Im- Im- image issues. You know, guys go through that as well, not just you know, uh, women. Um, so I, it just it just snowballs. Um, and and I, I think it's something that, we should change the narrative, right? Um, even with women as well, right? You know, some women, they may see their brothers or, or fathers not show emotion. So they think their partners shouldn't show emotion mm, either, right? So true, it's, it's, true. It's, it's a, it's a snow, it can be a snowball effect. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And it's, it's hard, you know, there, there are so, you know, identifying as a man, you know, in today's culture, I don't even know what that means anymore, but like, back, I think, you know, you and I are 30, are you 37? I'm, I'm 30, 35. 30, you give, you ah, give me two more years. You give I'm me so two sorry. more years. You know what? I'm, I'm so, so sorry. I'm th- well, we're basically, we basically come up in the same generation yeah, where yeah, yeah. there was really more of a template that you had to follow of being a man, just like you're saying, mm-hmm. you know, boys don't cry. Uh, you know, uh, a boy protects a woman, boy holds the door for a woman. You know, the, you do all of these things. But emotionally, like you weren't supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. And if you felt it was a sign of weakness, even uh, with your friends. I remember uh, growing up, you know, friends would call each other names I, won't, I can't even mention today, you know. Um, but what was it like for you growing up? I mean, what was it like in your household? Um, so I, I grew so um, it, it, it's, it's funny because amongst my, my close friends, like they, you know, we joke around like I have the, all this childhood trauma. Right. <laughs> um, uh, so my parents divorced when I was two. So I didn't I, I wasn't raised with both parents. Um, you know, my mom, she didn't work. She was on uh, public assistance. Um, I had an older sister and a younger sister. Um, so and, you know, we were in a two bedroom apartment in the South Bronx, um, you know, making do with what we can. You know, you know, looking back on it, I realized, you know, you know, my mom did the best she could considering the circumstances, you know, to, you know, to this day, I can't eat, you know, white rice and eggs because it reminds me of the days when that was the only option for food. Wow. Um, so I will not ever eat that as an adult because I refuse to, you know, bring back those memories. Well, let me just stop you for one second. Never go to a Filipino's house <laughs> for breakfast because that, you know what, you know what a breakfast is in a Filipino house? It's what was for dinner with an egg and rice in the morning. <laughs> so I'm sorry, don't, don't come here for brunch, nothing. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's my own thing, right? Like I'm sure, you know, if I eat it, it's, it's not going to be anything crazy. Right. But like, in, I like have it ingrained in me. Um, you know, and, and my mom, you know, I was the only boy for her. So she sort of coddled me a bit. Right. And we grew up in a very, very rough neighborhood, you know, gangs, drugs were rampant. Um, she didn't really want me to be outside to hang out with those kinds of, you know, people. Um, you know, every, it seems like every month that, you know, guys were just getting, uh, arrested and, you know, in and out. Um, you know, the local drug dealer was my neighbor, you know, wow. I remember when he got shot in the, in the lobby, you know, there was like, and he, there were still like three bullet holes, uh, wow. you know, for years, you know, they never fixed it. Um, so it, it was, so my mentality was always like, I, I can't really talk about anything because like my mom wasn't really uh i don't want to say nurturing but she's she just wasn't someone that uh she she ruled with an iron fist basically right so i was afraid to talk because i was afraid that she would you know slap me or something or you know you know don't ever say that again or you know you know don't think like that 
Um, it wasn't more of a conversation, right? Like I feel, you know, looking back on it, you know, you know, you as, as, a, as a dad, I'm sure, you know, conversations with your daughters are, are important, right? For them to understand Absolutely. why, you know, they're getting punished, why what they did was wrong instead of just giving them, you know, corporal punishment or, or taking things away and they not really understand like, you know, what happened. Right. Um, so that's how, you know, I was raised, like no one explained anything to me. So, um, you know, I had to like, you know, hold everything in basically. And then I, I went away for college and, and that's when I really was trying to like not find myself. Like it wasn't like an eat, pray, love uh, type situation, but it was more so like, you know, I, I got to see what's, you know, who I am now, like, you know, I, I'm going to be on my own. So, um, and that really helped, helped me out. Um, but then it also like made me realize a lot of things about, you know, the things that I lacked, the things that I, I didn't experience as a child, like the lack of childhood. Um, so then that, you know, fed my, my depression, you know, and my, you know, uh, low self-esteem as well. So, um, did you identify with having depression and anxiety, low self-esteem, like in those years? Like, so, did you feel like you had that? So I remember I, I was probably around 16, 17 and I felt like I was depressed. And I remember telling my mom and my mom pretty much was got, she, she became angry with me and she said, you don't have that. Um, stop it. And then like, cause I, I believe in her mind, she probably, um, thought if you're depressed, you're going to commit suicide. So mm. that was like in her, in her mind, what, what depression meant for her. Um, instead of just saying, you know, what, what is it? Why do you feel this way? And, and, and I think I held a lot of, um, anger towards her, you know, for many years, um, because I felt like no one really spoke to me as a kid. And I, I saw my dad every, you know, pretty much every weekend, but my dad is, he's the, he's a, he's a cold man. You know, he's, he's, he's like one of those guys that he just wants to drink beers with, with his friends. Don't bother him with, you know, real emotions. Cause he's not gonna, he's not really equipped to, to, to handle that. Right. Um, and he's you know, he's more of the let me let me coddle my the daughters and then with with the boy let me just you know let let you roam free and and uh, pray that you you come out okay. Yeah. Um. So I I felt like I didn't have much um support in expressing myself. Yeah. Um. And then you know, with when you have your friends and your boys, like you know, you're joking on each other and. You're talking about, you know, your your relationships and and and, you know, the latest actress that's ca that's caught your eye or whatever. And, and like there's really no like room to be like, hey, you know, I'm feeling a little bit down because then no one really wants. No one knows. I, don't, I, I felt like no none of my friends when I was young had the capacity to be like, hey, or, you know, you want to talk about it? You know what's going on? Because um, they were raised pretty much how I, were, I was right. raised. Right. But they also didn't do this. Like you did. Like yeah. That. Yeah. So it wasn't until like, you know, I was in college and I developed my, like my core group of, of friends that I realized I can go up to, you know, my close friends and say, Hey, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not well right now. You know, I need somebody to talk to. And they may joke in the beginning, but I know that they're going to be there to listen. Um, and I've, as the years go by, like you sort of like question, like, you know, can I go, can I, can I, you know, talk to them? Can I not talk to them? Um, because your own insecurity starts kicking in, right? And all your cognitive distortions starts kicking in, right? It's just yeah, like, yeah. oh man, you know, they're going to think, you know, uh, uh, that I'm suicidal or, you know, they're, they're not going to really uh, be able to come to me because they think I'm, I'm, I'm too weak minded. So with, they're not going to come to me with their problems. So it's going to be a one-sided exchange. It's, it's just like 
you start thinking all of these things in your head and you realize like none of that's true. Right. Which is exactly what a cognitive distortion is. I think there's a lot of jargon in the mental health field. So if someone hears cognitive distortion, they may not know what that means. Yeah. But there's this idea that whatever you're thinking may or may not be true. And you have to test that theory. You have to test the thought, right? By, you know, testing the reality of it. And, uh, and you did that by actually talking to your friends and you saw like, oh, wow, they're actually responsive and mm-hmm. helpful to me. They may bust my chops in the beginning. Yeah. Right. But, you know, so how from there did you get into social work? Like, was it, you know, they say, uh, you know, a lot of people say that people end up in social work or psychiatry or psychology or therapy in general for a particular reason. Maybe someone in their family suffered. Maybe they themselves suffered. Like, what what made you want to so, I mean, that? I, I sort of fell into it. Um, I mean, growing up, social worker to me meant, uh, you know, uh, Child Protective Services, right? Uh-huh. Um, or, you know, the welfare office. That's the only time I ever knew of a social worker. I never knew social workers to do other things, you know, to be therapists and to do other um, areas of, of mental health. Um, so, you know, I worked a lot in substance abuse. Um, I worked for an outpatient drug program. And then, you know, they pretty much told me uh, you have to get uh, a, a different master's because I have a, a master's in forensic psych, but it means nothing in this world because it's not you can't get a license from me uh. um so i went back for social work um school because i was working in um, new york and new york is a big social work state like you know either you know nowadays you know there's options for mental health right there's a licensed mental health counselor there's social workers um but in new york social workers at that time this is a uh, 2012 um they were all in on social workers where you know i had peers who were licensed mental health counselors who struggled to get employment because their employers didn't know what a licensed mental health counselor was. Uh So they had to sort of explain it in the context of social worker. I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to be a social worker. Right. Um, And then, you know, I've I've always had um, a gift of of, of the gab. I always, you know, was a social person. I always um, enjoyed talking with individuals. So like it sort of like was in me this whole time, Um, even though like, I took like AP calculus in high school. So I, I always thought Jeez. I was going to be like in finance. What or, a nerd. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to be an accountant, you know, sitting behind a desk, punching numbers. Uh, but I can't imagine doing that. You know, what was funny is, uh, you know, a lot of uh, our parents kind of provide us the template, mm-hmm. you know, on how we're going to be when we grow up. But you, it sounds like you didn't get it, but for somehow uh, you didn't get it from your parents, but somehow you had, and I've, I've noticed with you, you have a lot of empathy for people. Mm-hmm. You know, where do you think you got that from? Uh, you know, it's, I, I've actually been thinking about empathy a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering like where that came for me. And I think it's, I, I think honestly it was like those TJF shows, like the family matters oh, that was the best. step by step, uh. you know? Uh, because I wanted a normal family. I 100%. wanted that, you yeah. know? So like I believed wholeheartedly, like that's what the f- uh, idea of a family is. Right. Um, you know, Freshman's of Bel Air and, and uh, all those oh, great that shows. scene where uncle Phil hugs Will Smith. I, I could be that. I could be Will. Listen, let, let me tell you, I, I was watching something from Will Smith's Instagram. He said that, uh, he was not a good actor when he first started, <laughs> but during that scene, during that hug that they filmed, uh, Uncle Phil, I don't know his real name uh, off the top of my head. Uh, James Avery? Avery, yes. James Avery whispers to him, that's how you act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, it was interesting, but 
I got to tell you, if you look at the timeline, the time split, when Family Matters, uh, Full House, all those shows dissipated, that was when the, the family structure in the United States started on a downcline. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, don't, you don't see shows like that anymore. You don't, yeah. I think the last show I can remember like that, sort of, that was more modern, was Modern Family. Mm-hmm. But then it was different. It, it was like, it wasn't the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. But I think also maybe, you know, having your own experience, that whole wanting to be treated as you treat other people you think that was also I, part I, of it i think you know i think even now as an adult like i i don't ever want to make someone feel uncomfortable like that is like a major thing with me i, I don't want to feel i don't want someone to feel uncomfortable around me and i'm i also have like the ability to read body language very well right and it comes with the territory right when, for sure when we're in therapy you know we're usually the ones that are quiet we're just facilitating and getting the ball rolling while the client is, is you know, talking about everything. Um, and you read the body language, right? So you want to make sure what they're saying is congruent to their, you know, to their body language, right? For sure. I don't want someone to say, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. And then tears start rolling down their <laughs> eyes, right? <laughs> right. Um, so I, I feel like I have that just uh, pet peeve. Like I don't want no one feeling uncomfortable around me. So I, I try and, and, and make others feel comfortable before myself. And then after a while that can take a, a toll. Right. And that, that adds to, um, you know, the, 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 the state of my, of my mental health, um, putting others before yourself, you know, they always say, you know, you got to fill your cup up first before you fill the cup of others. Right. Cause then yep. if you're running on empty, if you're running on fumes, um, you're just doing more harm. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think and I think that was uh, that's where I'm coming from. Where I'm just like, okay, let me let me see what I can do to make you feel comfortable. Uh, whether it's make you laugh or just listen to you. Um, and I think just people naturally like like they they can feel vulnerable around me and they can you know talk to me and um, and not feel like I'm judging them or anything like that. Yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. I've I've told you some stuff in the past. I have never once felt judged by you know, and I'm. You know, as you're very keen on body language, I, I think I am yeah. as well as and, and tone and and vibe. You know, mm-hmm. I think I'm sometimes to a fault, you know. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I'll th- say things and perseverate like, uh, do you think they took it this way or that way? I don't know. I couldn't read their body language or their affect or the, even their you know, the way they said it to me. And it'll bother me. But you. Yeah. Ever since I've known you, have been always very comfortable to talk to and very enjoyable, you know, to be around, you know, and um I think you ended up in the field that you're supposed to be in for sure. You know, there, were, <laughs> there, there was something you said earlier about like mental health and the, the stigma behind it. It mm-hmm. needs to be put out there more. It's funny because I feel I've been back and forth. I've, I've seen these signs in certain towns where they'll say stigma free. Yeah. But what does that mean, yeah. man? Like I, no I one, know what that means. No one, <laughs> I mean, you, I think if you work in mental health, you can kind of guess because stigma, the word stigma mm-hmm. is generally attached to mental health. But I, mean, I took it as like substance abuse, right? Like I oh, substance abuse because really? there's a stigma with substance abuse, and like there's an opiate, you know, epidemic going on, sure, uh, as well. So I was like, oh, maybe. They... Oh, so it's not just me, yeah. yeah. So then, yeah, because yeah. I was just like, this is such a terrible attempt at creating a stigmaless society because it doesn't even say what the stigma is. That's how much there is stigma, yeah. You know, uh, and it's unfortunate, but um, it's interesting that during this time of uh, 2020 and COVID, mm-hmm. hence the masks, you know, yeah. we're, we're um, <laughs> out of respect. I, I don't want uh, angels, <laughs> angels, ladies show up in here in full, full army gear with tactical, you know, a tactical team. 
you know, <laughs> just <laughs> rappelling down my the side of my house. <laughs> get down, get down. Flashbangs going on. <laughs> like a like gas thing comes through my window. But uh, yeah, it, what I think 2020 has done is it showed everyone that their their resilience, you know, how much mm. resilience they have. And so it's interesting. I've had patients that I've been seeing way pre-COVID who now are being seen and say, that they're actually handling this okay because they've been in therapy, so they're getting the skills as they go. They're having that oh, social good. interaction, which is nice. Yeah. And I've also heard patients say, multiple patients say, I feel like everyone else is on the same playing field as me. Oh, wow. Which is That's deep. deep. That's deep. It's deep. And But I've had people who have never been in therapy, never had a substance abuse issue that was impacting their life. Maybe they drank, you know, mm-hmm. but where it's been this... Um, really hard time for them. So coming to therapy, feeling very vulnerable, like feeling what's wrong with me. Why is my heart racing? Why can't I sleep? Are you doing in-person therapy or are you doing telehealth? So that's interesting. I, I was working full time at a facility where I was going, um, uh, in the facility, mm-hmm. but now I'm actually uh, transitioning to another job for, for now. I'm just going to be doing virtual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's weird. It's kind of split. Some people like it. Some people don't like it. I, I don't like in person, there's that connection, right? For there's sure. That, there's that humanity behind it. For sure. But now, like, I'm behind the computer and I'm just, like, looking at you while your dog barks in the background or, you know, yeah. like, your little uh, toddler just uh, walks in and out and you're, like, wearing no pants. And yeah. It's just like, you know, how can I take this serious? It's hard to take it serious. For me personally, I, I don't think I, I would be able to see a therapist through telehealth. Yeah. Um, it, I, just, I just need the... I need the the humanity behind. I need someone to look at, you know, directly, not through a screen. I, I got to tell you with that, I, I was the same way, a hundred percent. And then uh, we'll talk about this thing later, yeah. but you know, I, I had been seeing a therapist since October and then when COVID hit, I was like, I'm not going to see anymore. I'm not going to go in the office and mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk to you on virtual. And then the shit hit the fan and I was like, no, I need to see you. We're yeah, doing yeah, virtual. And yeah. I was like, Oh, I didn't, I, uh, what I thought would be lost wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I mm-hmm. thought. And actually the patients that I'm seeing, um, you got to use hands, you know, you have to be like very emotive. You have mm-hmm. to be like extra, you know, almost like you're, um, just like more action on it the camera. Animated yeah. yeah. I, I find it's very hard for group work though. Mm-hmm. Group work is, is really tough. Yeah. But I mean, so during, is that a fire? Is that, is that my <laughs> right now? I'm wearing the mask. I promise. <laughs> no, you know what? I think they're, I think they're driving around with uh, Santa. They're doing uh, it. Yes. They're, yes, they're yes, doing my, it early. My town is doing, it, doing that yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. To pick up the vibe, but they're destroying our, our time. No, it's okay. <laughs> but, um, I, I mean with, so with, with, with COVID in 2020, like, um, for many people, I mean, it, it's, it's a mixed bag, right? So, so some people, um, really took advantage of quarantine and and everything to really do positive things whether sure. it's uh you know make an online business or or um just being uh, losing weight or whatever the case spending time be. with family yeah exactly um and, and i and i preface this with i am very lucky to have not lost my job um to be able to work from home still um to not have gotten sick um and overall like I understand that other individuals have lost so much. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like, um, like my, the problems that I faced during quarantine that, you know, eventually led to, you know, my, my depression to, to act up. 
uh, make it seem like I'm. Um, I don't want to minimize what other individuals have right, gone through. For sure. I, you want to respect their yeah. journeys as well. Yeah. But then you also have a journey to tell. Like your your journey, even though in comparison may not be, you know, as 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 hard, I guess, mm-hmm. to and some whoever's measure. I mean, it's still your your journey. Yeah, you know? it's subjective, right? Yeah, so like, for sure. You know, it's because I'm going through it, so it's it's personal to me, and so automatically that means my problem is is number one, right? Like for sure. You know. Person X and person Y, they, you know, they may have gone through some serious things like, you know, being hospitalized because of COVID or lost, you know, close fam- friends and family. Um, and I can empathize, you know, with them how, on how that feels. But, you know, as human beings, we, we tend to like, you know, as, as the toilet paper shortage shows, we, we, <laughs> yeah. we, 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 we turn to survival mode. Right. Like, we're yeah. like I got to protect myself. I have to protect my family. And I will do whatever it takes. If it means hoarding toilet paper so that the next person doesn't have toilet paper, then that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and that was just very interesting to me. I don't know why we reached for toilet paper first. I don't know. Um, I have no idea. Good marketing, I guess. Maybe the Instagram ads. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that's just like, like uh, this shit sucks. Instagram. Oh, toilet paper. <laughs> isn't there more important things we should have like, you know. 2020 is so shitty. And then you get the Instagram ads. That's, yeah. that's probably what happened. I mean, and you see, and then you see people post videos like crying hysterically. Like, like there's no diapers left. There's no toilet paper left. There's no um, san- uh, sanitizing wipes left. Like, and then people are like, you know, where did it all go? Why did you buy so much? Um, so, you know, I, I, that's a very long winded way of saying like, um, you know, so for COVID, you know, for me before COVID, before the, I shouldn't say before COVID, but before, um, the lockdown happened, which happened around like mid March, uh-huh. um, I injured myself. Um, I, um, tore, I already had a bad shoulder as is. So I tore more. Into I remember the bad cuff. shoulder. I remember. Yeah. So I had a slap tear and I had, um, a bicep tear. Um, you know, I didn't know at the time, you know, I failed, uh, an Olympic lift in February and I was like, all right, you know, I'm just going to take rest and I'll just, you know, do whatever. And it was scary. Cause like the first couple of days after that, I couldn't lift my arm. I was like, oh crap. Um, so, and then COVID hits, right. The shutdown hits and I was like, oh, perfect. I don't, you know, I'll rest. I won't do anything. And three months later, I still couldn't do a push up without pain. And, um, you know, my girlfriend was just like, you, you need to see a doctor. I was like, all right. Um, you know, I did the MRI scan and the doctor called me up. He was like, this is the worst. This is the top 10 worst shoulder I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he, he said, if I didn't know any better, I would have thought you were a 60 year old man. Wow. He was like, your rotator cuff is hanging by two threads. Jeez. And he's like, you have a minor, you know, slap tear and a minor bicep tear, but that rotator cuff, you know, we, we have to do surgery. And that's, a, that's the thing I was avoiding the whole time. I was like, I don't want to do surgery. You've been complaining about that soldier. I, I think <laughs> for like three and a half years, I think before CrossFit, my shoulder was, was, was bad. So, really? you know, with CrossFit, you can imagine like how worse did it, it, it got. Um, so like, so when COVID happened, right. I felt like when the, when the shutdown happened, like in mid March, like I treated it like a, like a snow day. Right. Um, and what I do for snow days, I go to the supermarket, I buy ice cream, I buy chips, I go to the liquor store, I buy a couple of bottles and I'm going to just enjoy, you know, being locked in the house. Cause like at the time, no one knew like how long we were going to be locked in for. We thought it was going to be like a month, yeah. like see you in a month. No big deal. Yeah. yeah. You know, so like, oh yeah, by Easter we'll be fine. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, that first two weeks I was like, I ate like so much crap. <laughs> <laughs> we, b- we baked like every day. So it was like brownies, cookies, 
Uh, did you guys cakes. do banana bread? Everyone was doing banana no, bread. No, we didn't do banana why, bread. Why was everyone doing banana bread at that time? <laughs> I, I was doing boozy uh, cupcakes. I was, I was doing bourbon cupcakes. Nice. So then after that second week, I was just I wasn't working. You know, I wasn't doing anything to stay active, and I was drinking a lot. You mentioned earlier, like um, people were just you know drinking you know to to cope, and I was drinking just out of boredom. Mm. And I remember getting up. I was about to make myself another drink. And I wasn't even, I didn't even want it. Like, I didn't even want the drink. And I'm, and I stopped midway. I'm like, why am I making myself a drink that I don't even want? And I realized it's because I was bored. And, you know, and I was like, all right, I got to get my life together. Let me, let me be more active in this quarantine. Cause, you know, it looks like we're going to be in it for at least a couple of more months. Uh, so, you know, I started to try to run more and, you know, try to do as much as I can with my beat up shoulder. Um, but not being able to do, so I, I've been, you know, I've been doing CrossFit for the past, you know, five years, you know, like nonstop, right? No rest, nothing. So for all of it to stop on a dime was like, like, whoa, like what, you know, what do I do now? Cause like I used, I use CrossFit as you know, like a social thing, right? Yeah. Right. Cause it's not just a physical moving. Like you, you end up being the mayor of whatever, <laughs> whatever gym you go to, right? The social piece is, is like 75% of the positivity you get out of CrossFit, in my personal opinion. Yeah, you know, I, you know how I am in class. I'm joking around. I I'm, know. I'm making jokes. I'm, I'm laughing. I'm not really taking, you know, the the competitive part serious because I'm yeah. not really I'm not really a competitive person. Um, it, it's just not in me to like have that killer instinct. Yeah, I, it's yeah. just not. It's just not me. So I enjoy like, um, you know, being around you know people and. Oh, uh, coaches hate when we're in the same class. <laughs> that was the worst. We are like the like a, if we're in the same class with Eduardo. Eduardo hates us. It's, it's the same thing with me and Chris. <laughs> me and Chris because we used to do five thirty a.m. and um and we would just like talk and then coach <laughs> like shut up. Like, okay, okay, okay. But um, so you know, quarantine happened, and you don't realize how important it was to see other groups of people besides your loved ones. Right. Right. And obviously our loved ones are, are our loved ones that we love unconditionally. Right. But we need to interact with other people. Right. hundred percent. We're, we're human beings are social beings by nature. Like it is in us, you know, mm. we're, you know, we're not necessarily loners at heart. Well, some, but some more than others, right? Some yeah, people yeah. can do that more than others. Yeah. But you specifically, you are not alone. I am. I can't do that. There's no way. So like spending 24 hours a day, you know, with, with my girlfriend, you know, like I, and, and you know, like how I am CrossFit, I joke around, like I, I move in different groups. I've always been that way. Like I was and you know, how people always like, Oh, you know, what group were you in high school? Were you the jock? Were you the nerd? Whatever. And I didn't identify with any group because I was literally friends with every single group. Um, and it's funny because, like, you know, the lunchroom turns into, like, a prison, right? Like, you break off into racial groups or you break <laughs> off into, like, the jocks and nerds or whatever. Um, and I just floated because and I meshed so well with each, with each group. Um, so, like, being able to talk about other things, right? Because it's like... Just to just to BS with someone like you, you, you forget that. Right. Because like, you know, I would spend eight hours at work. Right. So I had my work, you know, uh, friends, um, you know, just even having the time to um, uh, travel to work. Right. The commute. Like that was my time for myself. Right. Like, OK, I will read a book. I will, you know, you know, listen to music, whatever. Uh, do crossword puzzles. You know, I'm, I'm an 85 year old man. at heart. <laughs> Love crossword puzzles. I, I and Jeopardy, that's like my two loves. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Alex Trebek. Oh, man. man. Uh, 2020 take. You know, you know who else died today? Who? Or recently? Um, D- 
Debo. Debo, yeah, yeah, Freaking yeah, yeah, deep. yeah. Taking everyone, man. It's uh, it's crazy. Um, so like, so just be. You didn't realize like how much you needed the space away from your home life and just like just to interact with other people, right? right. Um, and like you know, we you try to do the whole Zoom thing, right? And you try to you know FaceTime or 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 have conversations on the phone. And I, I'm not a I'm not a talker on the phone. Like I literally hate being on the phone yeah like i am not a facetime person at all i hate all of that like just text me i'll send you memes you yeah. know i'll send you a keep you know a couple lols and you know we'll keep it moving um but you know like even that like w- you know w- with my college friends you know my brunch crew like we try to do you know we do zoom every saturday but it's just not the same like being in person and you know making jokes in person and and and, and just having that that ambiance of of loved ones around you right and i think you know, with the holidays passing that, you know, people were just frustrated. Like, you know what? Spike or no spike in, in, in COVID, I'm going to, you know, be with loved ones. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just was like, I need to get my life back on my life, you know, back on track. And I slowly started feeling like, you know, myself falling into like a hole like where I didn't really want to talk, you know, to my girlfriend. Like I didn't really like I was very like almost robotic, you know, because I was like, I had so many emotions in me and I, I didn't know how to really release it or, or talk about it without, um, you know, scaring her or without, you know, judgment, even though I know she wouldn't judge me. Um, you, you always have that in the back of your mind, right? Kind of like the way it was with your friends in college. Before. Exactly. Exactly. You know, human beings, we, we don't really like feeling vulnerable, right? Cause like, when you feel vulnerable, that means someone can, you know, use that vulnerability against you. Right. right. Um, and then there's that whole power dynamic. Right. Um, so it, it, it's, it was tough for me to really like, um, open up and, and like, and, and she can, and she, and she can notice a change, right? Like when your loved ones can always notice a change in you before you notice a change in yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and then, no, I got the news that I needed surgery. So I had my surgery in June. So, you know, we're in the thick of it, right? In the thick of, of, of COVID and quarantine and, and everything like that. And, you know, by then, by June, like I wasn't, you know, it's been three months, four months since I worked out and, you know, my body changed. And that's another thing that, that started messing with me. Cause I, I, you know, through CrossFit for the last five years, I was a relatively fit guy you know i was able to take off my shirt you know with 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 pride right? with every why yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with every workout yeah oh after the warm-up okay here's off. <laughs> you know so like <laughs> so you know seeing my body change to how it was when you know because i used to be a, a bigger guy i used to be about 200 pounds you know before um the whole covid thing like right after college so to go back to that it really messed with me. I was like, holy crap. Like I look different. You know, I feel different. I feel lethargic. I don't feel, um, as energetic as I, as I, as I once was. Um, and I'm eating crap, you know, I'm eating like pure crap every single day. I'm not, that, I don't even think I saw one veggie during the first, you know, two, three months of, of quarantine. Um, so like seeing that, you know, have my body changes, um, you know, not being able to interact with, um, different groups of people, um, you know, having pain in my shoulder, so I couldn't really work out. So I had no outlet, right. To, to release some of that, um, discomfort I had inside me. Right. And then this doctor's telling me, Oh, you're going to have surgery. I'm like, I've never had surgery in my life. I'm wow. like, Holy crap. Um, and it's funny. Cause like he called me on, so I had my MRI on a Thursday. He called me that afternoon 
and I scheduled my surgery for that Tuesday. So it was just like no time to think about it, no time to really prepare. Like, you know, I'm just going to get it over with. Um, it was a, it was a couple of days before my birthday. Um, and I was like, you know what? I've been drinking all of quarantine. It doesn't really matter. I'm not going to, I'm not going to wait for my birthday. What can I do on my birthday in quarantine? Anyways, right, 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 right. Um, and it, it was scary as hell going into surgery. Um, and then not being able to use my arm, my, and I'm, 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 I'm right-handed. So I, you know, it was my right shoulder and my girlfriend had to do everything for me, you know, like, so, and I'm not a, a kind of person that, that likes to rely on people. Like I'm a, I'm a type A you know, personality. Like I like things done a certain way. Like I like to do things my way. Um, and then now I had to allow someone to do things for me because mm-hmm. I couldn't, like I, you know, I, I just physically could not do it. Um, you know, it, and you know, it's the summertime. So people are going out, you know, so a little, you know, you're able to do more things outside, you know, some of the restrictions were getting lifted and I had like, I just hit this wall with my depression. Like, you know, like I, I couldn't do anything at all because of my arm. You know, people couldn't come visit me to see if I'm doing because of COVID. Um, I I felt so isolated from everyone. Um, And and it it just brought me into like a a, a state where I I never want to go back to again, you know? And um, it it was, it was pretty scary um, to, to like, I didn't see, I didn't recognize the person I, uh, that was in the mirror that that was looking right back at me. Well, let's sit with that for a little bit. I mean, I think between this episode and next, there's going to be a lot of vulnerable talk and mm-hmm. everything. And uh, I think depression gets thrown around a lot. Like, I'm so depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so depressed. It's Wednesday and, I, and we have to work till Friday. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm so depressed. They don't have my favorite uh, uh, thing at the store. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, you know, especially considering your past and the way you were brought up, like when you were experiencing the, you know, depressive symptoms where you're like, you shouldn't be like this. You're a social worker. You're a man. Was there judgments also that came with feeling down, like feeling low? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, like you, you start in your head, like, okay, you know, I, I know what this is about. You know, I know why I feel this way, but I couldn't stop it. You know, it was like someone else was in my mind controlling me. And I was just an outsider looking in. Wow. I, I had like no, like I, I, I just couldn't do it. Like I just couldn't pick myself up and just, and like, I kept on feeling sorry for myself, you know? Um, and, and a week before my surgery, I failed the first time the, for my clinical social work license. I actually failed by three, by three questions. Wow. Um, so like that, like, like pissed me off. I was like, you know, everybody's doing great in quarantine. I'm over here failing a, a test. Oh, that's a cognitive distortion right exactly, there. Exactly. Right. That is a yes. cognitive distortion. Yes. Boom. So we test that, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and, and then I, then, you know, during my recovery, like that first you know, month when you start questioning, like, you know, are my friends, my real friends, you know, like no one's really checked up on me. No one's done this. That's interesting. We had a conversation at some point, uh, and that was when I had the whole idea for the podcast mm-hmm. and I was trying to think of who I'd want to interview. And then I was like, you know, th- I think I called you. I said, could talk yeah, on yeah, the phone? Yeah, yeah. I was like, there's something that you and I can talk about. And I think at that time, that's maybe it was around the same time you were having this thought. Cause you were like, you know what? I realized I'm not going to be messing with people who are, who are not a hundred for me, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And it's funny that I think I've had three or four people, <laughs> no, three people from CrossFit at GSP here doing this podcast now, right? <laughs> but um, 
it was interesting that it, out of this whole, for those who don't know, it was this amazing gym, very magical. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It was yeah. the Disney World yeah, of CrossFit yeah. boxes. Yeah, it was. You know, it's kind of like looking back. It's kind of like Save the Bell, uh, Save by the Bell ended, and then you know they went to the college and did the whole split. You know, but um, there were very few people that I kept in touch with regularly, mm. and essentially from there, from the other gym, it was. You like we're always sending memes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Glenn, Glenn was always sending me sad stuff, <laughs> and uh, and Chris essentially, yeah. um, but the most frequent, and uh, and and for me, like I'm very much like, all right, who are like my closest people? Like who's really gonna be there? If I have a party, who am I inviting? <laughs> you know, if something bad happens, who am I gonna go to? And you've always been at that list, and so we had that conversation that day, and I felt like, oh, am I included? Because he's on, he's, on, he's on the phone with me, so I'm sure he's not saying, "No, screw you, you're not 100." Yeah. percent You know, so I felt very honored by that. Um, <laughs> but I think that's something that happened in quarantine too. I think people are kind of evaluating yeah. their friendships, right? And so yeah. you were doing this at the time. So, so I wasn't doing, I wasn't um, evaluating my friendships. I had that distortion, thinking that my friends were didn't care about me. Wow. So what made you feel that way? It was a, it was just a combination of everything that, you know, I just had everything on my shoulders. I was already, you know, feeling a certain way you know, because of COVID. Right. You know, COVID should just be its own diagnosis. It at really this point, should right? be. Yeah. Um, you know, being isolated, um, having my surgery done. So that means I couldn't do some of the activities that I wanted to do. And, you know, I couldn't see a day where I was going to have the sling off and I was going to be able to do the things I normally did. Like th- that just, I just couldn't think of that day. And, and, and as we're speaking, I'm like raising my arm up and I'm good. You yeah, know, I can, yeah, yeah. I can, it's amazing. I can, yeah. It's great. And uh, you're still handsome. Got the hair. I'm still jealous of the hair as always, <laughs> but you know, especially too with, uh, I, I think I may have had a similar idea, uh, in regards to my friends who are at the gym. Like if I'm not at the gym, if I'm not in that, in, uh, ecosystem yeah, yeah. people aren't checking up on me because you have to be kind of in it for people to regularly mm-hmm. speak to you actually to be honest with you even like people like you and glenn like there was there was more at the split of this gym there was more interaction in the beginning than towards like now mm-hmm. and it's only because we're not seeing each other every day but they're still the same sentiment you yeah, know yeah um but do you think that also had, like was it friends from the gym was it friends from college so it, it was it was everyone. everyone so everyone you know and and mind you i'm in a billion one group chats just like everyone else <laughs> in the world right like so I'm constantly in group chats and, but these group chats are, are for fun, right? Like we're not talking about our deepest, you know, fears and, and, and issues, right? We are sending memes about toilet paper (laughs) and we're just, you know, just rotating from one uh, uh, chat group to the, to the next. So I'm in contact in that way, right? So I speak, you know, to Glenn daily, you know, through our group chats. I speak to my college friends daily through my, through our group chats. Um, but it was more, it's just like the isolation part just started creeping up in the back of my head. Like, you know, like, and I know cause you know, during that time, the restrictions were relatively high in June and I knew, and I know rationally, like it wasn't safe for people to come to my apartment. You know, it's not like I had a house and we go hang out in the backyard, you know, to come to my apartment. So I'm placing, you know, my girlfriend's health, um, you know, in danger, I'm placing my, you know, my own health just so I can get, you know, a balloon that says get well soon type <laughs> thing. Right. Yeah. So like, it, but it, all of that hit me and I'm just like, and mind you, people are, are, you know, asking me how I am through the, you know, you know, through text and everything like that. But I just needed that human contact. Yeah. And that depression. And I remember like, 
you know, one of the first times, you know, going out was to, you know, Pier 13 and, and I was, you know, acting reckless, you know, I was like no social distancing, none of that. And it was because like, I just, I just like explode. I felt like a kid in a candy store. I was like, holy uh, crap, people. I could see that. I you know, that. so it's just like, you know, and my girlfriend got upset with me that day. She was like, you know, why, you know, why are you not, um, taking, social distancing yeah, you know, just still, you can still have fun, but you, you have to be mindful of everything because, you know, you don't want to expose, you know, myself or you, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, and like in my head, I was like, you don't understand like what yeah. I'm feeling. And I, and, and like, right. and I didn't want to talk about it. And I, and I, and I, you didn't want to have to defend it. Yeah. And know? thinking back now, maybe I should have, you know, talked to her and just be like, Hey, it's because I'm feeling this way, you yeah. know, you know, of everything happening. Um, and it, that was, just, that was pretty much a turning point for me. I was like, okay, let me, let me, and I, I, I remember something, I sent something in, the, in, the, in my group chat and I think I might've mentioned that, you know, I'm feeling depressed or down. And then, you know, all my friends were just like, yo, you know, I'm here for you. I had a couple people, people call me and I was like, that's all I needed to do. Just, wow. You know, just say just it. Like, just like that was it. And then from there on. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's not smooth sailing because, you know, we're still under, you know, restrictions. We're still under isolation. I'm, I'm not fully, um, uh, you know, active yet. You know, I'm going back to the gym in January, hopefully, you know, knock on wood. Um, and then in August, that's when I started running. I was able to run with my shoulder, you know, comfortably. I've seen you've been putting in miles. Like, who is this guy? I'm trying, man. That's the only thing I can do. So yeah. I can do 10 push-ups now, which nice. is great. Um, but that that moment was very pivotal in, like, shifting, you know, all those cognitive distortions and just, like, blowing them out the water and realizing, like, those don't exist. You have to let people know what's going on. And, and that's a question that like, I'll, I'll probably ask you later on, but like, what do you, when you're feeling a certain way, what do you want people to do? Yeah. You know, yeah. do you want someone to ask you, are you okay? Do you want someone to come meet you somewhere just for a drink? Do you want someone to just be on the phone with you or FaceTime with you? And I think that's something like every person has their own preference. Right. And I think as individuals, we should, you know, open up more. Um, and as men it's hard, right? For but sure. But I, I feel like I have a good group of guy friends where I can be vulnerable with them. And then the next day we can, you know, joke on each other, you know, whatever. Right. But I feel like I can be vulnerable and it won't be an uncomfortable conversation. Right. And it won't be held against me. Mm. Um, you know, they may joke about it later on. Right. That's, that's you know, I joke. I, I mean, I take nothing serious. You know, <laughs> you could tell me you have you know, X, Y, and Z, and I'll turn it into a joke. Right, right. Um, and that's just the way I am. Um, but just knowing that the cry for help that I, I, I did put, put, you know, my, my, um, put me on people's radar. Yeah. Like, listen, like he's, he's struggling. And then it might've opened it. I don't know if it did or not. Maybe it opened up someone else to be vulnerable too. Like, you know what? I've been feeling, you know, you know, the same way as well. Um, you know, maybe we should, we should do something to, you know, help out, you know, each other. Um, you know, I don't know if you, you follow or you hear, you know, but Charlemagne Lagarde from, you know, the breakfast club, he, he's very vocal about mental health, For very sure. vocal about mental health in, in, with men and especially, uh, people of color. Right. So he, he wants it to be normalized. Right. And I think that's so important, like to normalize that, to not, um, let mental health be used as a weakness, but rather as 
just another personality trait that we as individuals have, right? Mm. Um, you know, describing my depression shouldn't be um, always like a Debbie Downer situation, yeah. right? I mean, sh- you should be able to talk about it just as you would talk about your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? right? Um, oh, but like my depression really hurts me today. <laughs> <laughs> I have the black cloud like Eeyore, you know, hanging over me. Yeah. Um, because we are human. We're not going to always be happy 24 hours a day, seven days a week, especially now when all this crap is going on in the world. You know, we're, we're it's impossible for us to be, you know, always on, you know. And then when you are that person, when you are that person to, to be the funny guy or to be the, the you know, let's let's the charismatic. Joke, one. Yeah. Let's joke around. You always have to, you always have that, that pressure to, to be on. Yeah. All the time. And you're not allowed to have a bad day. And you know what? You are allowed to have a bad day. Yeah. You're allowed to have many bad days. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's where the, the, the ego, you know, uh, strength comes in and um, your self-esteem comes in. Right. Because like you have to allow yourself to be OK with not being OK mm. um, and just be like, you know what? And just vocalize, you know, I don't feel like joking or joking today or, you know, I'm just going to, you know, lay back a little bit. And then people respecting that. Right. Like, yeah, I bet you're that guy that if you just don't feel like talking to like, hey, Angel, what's wrong? Yes. I, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I used to get that all the time. Well, I still get that once in a while. But yeah, for sure. It's car- because you're such a, um, a personality in mm-hmm. whatever circle that you're in. Right. So it's like you have to keep up that personality. And if people see something different, they're like, what the heck is going yeah. on? And, and it, after a while, you have to realize you have to put yourself first. Yeah. You know, um, Pleasing other people can only take you so far because it's going to drain you. Yeah. It's going to drain you and it's going to uh, come out in in different ways. You know, I'm, you know, I, I'm lucky that um, I didn't dive deep into, you know, the alcohol thing. Right. Because, you know, alcohol, alcoholism, you know, runs in my family. You know, it's in my, it's in my genes. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's just like I could have easily turned into something else just to feel a release you know and and i did kind of feel that way with alcohol but i i I caught myself like you know what i I can't do this Mm. um so i i think you know especially with with men for us to have those close friends of ours and have those vulnerable conversations you know there are topics that we feel like we are the only ones that that experience where i bet you if you were to ask uh a group of guys that topic all of them would, would be like yeah i've experienced that yep if they can be vulnerable yeah if they could be, if vulnerable, they could be right. vulnerable so like many of us you know we think certain pro- certain problems that we have is just tailored to us right like oh yeah no i bet you no one else feels this way um and then you realize if you put it out out there on social media or, or whatever and you're like oh crap this person feels that way too i Nothing didn't know that me. i would have never thought that um and, and I think, you know, it's it's good to check up on your friends, yeah. you know, especially the strong ones, especially the ones that are most vocal, because it's the moment that they stop being vocal. You're like, holy crap, you know, Mr. X is now, you know, haven't heard a joke from him. I haven't gotten a meme from him today. What's right. going on? Just check up on your good friends. Guys. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I think. Yeah. You know, you know, what's interesting. I've seen people, you know, throughout social media here and there like, hey, if anyone needs to talk, I'm available, mm-hmm. whatever. I get really scared to do that because uh, especially doing what I do, uh, you know, people will uh you know reach out and things like that and i'm happy to but like if i'm struggling it's really hard for me to be there for someone else so yeah. trying to have to put myself first you know there there is one other topic i wanted to bring up and um it's a, it's a touchy subject but something that i've i've seen too is like you know i think the stress too not just with covid but also the political social uh whole sphere has been very very stressful for i think everybody mm-hmm. you know and um 
you know, I've had, I've had, uh, I spoke with a friend recently who actually got off of social media because he felt like his, uh, because of the political environment, like the the culture on social media was pushing him one way or another, and he was finding himself um, kind of posting things that he, no, he normally wouldn't post. And it's interesting. I've noticed on social media you've been more um, social ab- about yeah. and, and vocal about those things, you yeah. know, which I appreciate. You know, people should be fighting for what they believe in for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you think also like the what was happening politically was a pressure? Like in terms of like pushing depression, or were you already coming out of it um, around that time? When 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 the major like when when it hit when it hit the fan in Washington D.C. where um, you know the president asked you know, all these National Guard um, people to come down and into Washington D.C. and um, that was like the like that, I bet that that was June first that it happened. That was like right after George Floyd uh, was murdered, and like all that happened, and then. Um, you know, I was taking my test on the second. So my girlfriend, you know, she, she went was, down to DC, didn't she? She she was she was a hair of going down there. Like her whole unit, her everyone, in her office went down there, but but her. Wow. But she still had to sleep over the armory. So like, this was the night before my test. So I like. Oh my god. I'm a planner, so like I already had everything planned. Okay, I'm, you know, I'm gonna wake up at this time. You know, I'm, I'm gonna you know you know she'll walk the dog. I don't have to worry about it. And then all that you know went out the window. I had to do you know struggle with everything, and then I had to go to, to New York to take my test. So that added the, you know, more stress. But with the whole political thing, you know, the population that I serve with my job are only people of color. Maybe we have maybe 5% that are, that are, that are not. Um, but just growing up in the South Bronx, you know, I, I, I grew up, I didn't see a white person until I went to a high school that was 50% white. My, my elementary school we didn't have one white person. I'm I, I'm not even lying to you. There was not one white student. You know that's very funny because where I went, I, I was born in Newark, but we moved out when I was five. Mm-hmm. To we moved to East Brunswick, which is a generally Caucasian town. We had one person of uh, who I thought was African American in my whole elementary school, but then when I became friends with him later on in like junior high, he was actually half Indian, half Caucasian. Yeah. <laughs> so we had completely different experiences in that way. The only white people that were in my neighborhood were the teachers. Wow. You know, they'll teach and then go to a uh, suburb. Uh, yeah. Somewhere, wherever it was. So like, I, I didn't really have positive interactions with white people uh, growing up. You know, the white people that I interacted with were in positions of power, you mm. know? So like the welfare office, um, teachers, um, you know, the, you know, firemen, you know, cops, whatever. So like, I didn't have role models. I didn't have people that look like me, people, um, that had the same traditions and culture that I had, you know, that in, in positive lights, you know, I had drug dealers in my, in my building, in my neighborhood. You know, so it, it just wasn't something, I mean, looking back on it, like I, I recognized, you know, like, you know, how that could have put me on a different course. But at the time I'm thinking, you know, everybody's experiencing the same thing I am because, you know, we're all, you know, the majority of us were Latino, you know, you know, there was maybe, you know, 10, 50 percent, 10 or 15 percent, you know, black people. But the majority of us were were of Latin descent. So everyone had similar experiences where, you know, maybe you, you were a single parent household as well. Like, oh, yeah, me too. You know, so it, it so I see I saw how it was growing up, you know, poor in the Bronx um, with, you know, crime, you know, up the wazoo um, in the South Bronx. And I see what's going on now. And it's just like 
this has always been happening. It's just now people have cameras. Right, you know? right. Yes. You know, we, we have cameras that we can readily take out, out of our pockets and record what's going on. Um, you know, like police corruption and br- brutality isn't a new concept in 2020. Not at all. Remember Rodney King back in the yeah. day? I mean, that was a big deal. I, even before that, um, Al Pacino, this is, I think, a 1970s movie. He played um, in Serpico. I don't know if you've ever seen Never that movie. saw it. So... He played, so it's based on, you know, real, uh, real events. Um, and he played this cop who told on all these corrupt cops in his department and in, 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 in the NYPD. Um, so like this has been going on for forever. Right. Yeah. Um, so everything that's going on, like I feel compelled to like speak up for those that can't speak for themselves right now. Cause like the, so I, I work in, um, in a public defender's office, um, in New York. And so a lot of my clients are in jail, you know, um, a lot of my clients, if they're not in jail, they are, you know, under some kind of legal, you know, uh, supervision. Um, and so many times, you know, their voice, they can't really use their voice cause then they'll, there's, you know, consequences behind it. Um, so I feel like if I don't use my voice, I'm doing them a disservice. And also I'm just being selfish, you know, mm. like, cause I have this, you know, I have privilege, right? I have male privilege, which is, um, something that in this society, you know, can go a long way, whether it, I may not be a white male, but I'm still a male and that can take me pretty far because of the privileges that, that, that comes with it. Um, you know, and, and, and I, and I recognize that and I'm just like, you know, what? I mean, I'm, I have this privilege where, I've never been arrested. You know, I've, I've never lived that um, lifestyle and I can help someone who has, you know, who who's in that lifestyle now and maybe because of some weird circumstances, you know. Um, and once a person is in the criminal justice system, it's it's very difficult to for a person of color. It's very difficult to get out of it because it, you're always going to be attached with oh yeah but you have a criminal record oh yeah but but i've done so many great things and you're just focusing on this one one bad thing that i've done in my life Mm. um so i i feel like what's going on now in this the the world that we live in and everyone's experience is different you know like i don't speak for all latinos i don't speak for all men i don't speak for everyone that was born and raised in the bronx everyone has their own um, experience i'm speaking as angel and what i see and what i feel is right um, and, and I, I just can't sit and, and see the racial divide that's going on, um, and the police brutality that's, that's, that's happening and everyone has their opinion, you know, and, and, and that's great. We live in America, so you can have your opinion. I have mine. Um, but there are certain things where it's not, it's not an opinion anymore. It's, it's a fact, like, look what's happening. Um, you know, change it. And I understand that some people are comfortable where they are now and they don't want things to change because then it'll affect them negatively. Right. Um, but the whole point of being a good person is to make sure that the person that is in need gets the help as well. Right. Like right. what is it that you have all the toilet paper in the world, but this one single mother of three doesn't like, does that make you feel better? Now, do you, do you find that you're having to track like how you're feeling emotionally? You know, if you feel like it's pulling you into a space of anxiety or depression, like if it gets too much, because I think it's one thing in our field, you know, both as a social yeah. worker and a nurse practitioner, it's like 
you want to heal, you want to fix, you want to take care mm-hmm. of. Because if you were in that position, like you were you, the way you grew up, like yeah. you, you want to help people who were in your position. I mean, if you could have removed that suffering from you as a child, you would have, if you can go back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but do you find yourself having to reflect, like, am I, am, am I too stressed? Am I, am I getting too much? Or, you know, I mean, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, it, it becomes overwhelming, right? Yeah. Um, you know, social media makes it easier to see a lot of things that, you know, before in our part and, and, you know, the times of our parents, they didn't, they didn't see any of those things. Right. You know, back then their major thing was don't talk about politics. Don't talk about religion and you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but now with social media, it's everything you, you, you know, you know, you know, people's uh, political affiliations, you know, people's religion, you know, everything. There is no, yeah. Uh, you can't talk about it. You know the location of the last monolith that's been put up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no idea. I just found out about this yesterday. <laughs> but, uh, you know, actually, I, I'm thinking about uh, a new friend that I made. Actually, he goes to uh, Reinvented now. His name is Alex. And he had put this post up about how upset he was about the state of the world, you know, like with with um, the pol- uh, politics and culture the way it is, with the environment and all this stuff, and just like really expressing stress about that. And I'm like, damn, that is heavy, man. Yeah. We spoke a little bit about that. And, even for me, I, there was a point where I was just like this mental health stuff. Like, how is it that someone is charging like $400 for an initial eval for someone who's already struggling with their mental health? Yeah. You know, when this should be something to me as as free as water, you know, yeah. like this should not be something that people have to struggle to get, you know. And just like for the people that you're wanting to serve, like they shouldn't have to struggle for justice mm-hmm. and for fairness, you know. And uh, I think for um, for people like us, it's it's really easy to get sucked in and and, uh and and i don't i don't blame people for not understanding because it's sort of like if you're not in the field you don't really you're not exposed to it so you don't see the um the issues that you you know that is plain as day right um for someone that's not involved in legal uh, uh, criminal justice or or mental health you know and they're you know they don't really read up on those kind of things and they pretty much know what they know based off tv movies whatever the case may be um, they may not understand like the how difficult it is for a person of color in America, and w- w- no matter who you are, you should be able to understand like there's certain privileges that you have, <laughs> you yeah. know. So like as a white man in America, you have the most privilege. I mean, <laughs> let's let's call a spade a spade. Like there is no other you know, uh, uh, descriptive of a person that has more privilege than that, a white man. And, and granted I have, you know, you know, white friends that recognize that privilege and they're like, you know what, there's, there's things I need to do. And obviously they can only do so much because they can never understand what it's like to walk in the shoes of someone that, you know, for me, like none of my family members have college degrees. You know, I, I, you know, most of them were pregnant by 16. Yeah. You know, my mom, you know, was pregnant by 19. So it's just like, I, I, I don't have someone, you know, none of my family members own houses, you know? So like, don't, I would not even know what to do with a house if I was to get one. Um, so there's, there's just certain things like that people don't realize that they have privilege and they take for granted where another person's like, dude, like I don't even know what that is, you know, like, wow, like, you know, you have a, such a large home. You're like this whole thing, like, you know, this is, uh, <laughs> this is nothing. So uh, yeah, you actually know what, when, when we got this home, we've been really lucky to get this home. We had a, a woman to do our blinds. I've never had curtains in a house before. <laughs> I don't know if you got to see the curtains, the white curtains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, oh my God, I have curtains. And so, uh, 
I said to her like, oh my gosh, you're really making our house look like a home. Like it feels like, like a studio, like a, I don't know, like a studio or something. Mm -hmm. It's so nice. She goes, well, you know what? The people that I see, they have these big homes in these towns and they change everything every day and they never say thank you to me. He's like, I appreciate that you said that. She happened to be of Latina background. Mm -hmm. So, but she's used to serving like really wealthy, you know, Mm -hmm. privileged folk, you know? Um, But, you know, I think you're using your privilege, whatever privilege you do have. I mean, we all have different privileges, like you said, but you're using it to serve. And I think that's key. Um, and, uh, and I think you're, you're really a gift to the field. You know, it's amazing that you made it out to where you are. If you look at your history, yeah. yeah. let me ask you this, uh, last question. Would you go back and change your history? Oh yeah, for sure. For I, sure. I, I definitely would. Yeah. You really would. I, I, I you know, I, I hear people like, Oh, I wouldn't change anything cause it made me who I am. But like, I don't want to experience that struggle. <laughs> you know, like what struggle exactly? Just like you know, financial struggle, um, family struggle, um, you know, emotional struggle. You know, like that's just so much for like a little seven-year-old kid from the Bronx. Like, I didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, like no one's talking to me, explaining to me. You know, like I'm the world that I, I'm living in is what I think the world is, and then all of a sudden, like. You know, I see, you know, all these rich people on, on TV. I was like, oh, OK. And like they live in houses and, you know, they have, you know, grandparents like I I, I didn't I didn't grow up with my grandparents. You yeah, know, so I, it's yeah. just like, you know, little things like that. You know, like I cannot understand what that means to have grandma's cooking. I'm like, I don't know what that is. You know what that is. Um, and, and like I'm not here for a pity party. You know, like like I said, there's a million people that have a you know worse life, worse life than, than I had as a, as a child. Um, but I'm talking through my eyes. It's just like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anyone to go through that. So I, think, I, I would definitely clean it up again. Yeah. I, I think if, uh, in my personal uh, opinion, based on what you told me, I don't think you'd have this fire to do what you do if you didn't have that experience. No. Yeah. You know, I, you know, it's funny. Like we're, you know, everyone always wants to be rich, right? Everyone wants to be rich and famous. And then you see these rich and famous people like dying young yeah. or having these, you know, uh, illnesses or mental health issues um, or legal issues. And you're like, you had every resource in the world, but then maybe that was the issue, right? Like they had everything in their fingertip. They couldn't appreciate certain things. So I can, I I can, I can appreciate what you said. Um, I might've changed, I might change maybe not everything, but I would definitely change certain things just so that this struggle was, you know, isn't as hard as it, as it, as it has been. Mm. You know what? I haven't asked you at all. Uh, I know I said the last question was last, but have mm-hmm. you ever, if you're comfortable saying it, have you ever been in therapy yourself? So I've been in therapy twice. Um, the first time was with a white woman and she kept on saying that I have, that I was abused as a child. Um, and I just couldn't connect with her cause I felt there was just too much disconnect culturally and, and everything. And I, I, I think I went maybe two or three times and I just, I just couldn't, couldn't connect. I couldn't connect. I didn't feel comfortable with her. Um, I felt like she was always like, I was her pity case. Like, Oh, look at this little Latino boy. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't want that, you know, yeah. I, I want, so like I stopped and then I picked up again, um, probably maybe like five or six years later. And I specifically wanted, uh, a Latina. So I, I picked her. Um, but then it just felt like we were just like hanging out yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. not therapy. She wasn't holding me accountable, which is the, like, a. a, a a key thing in therapy, right? You have to hold a person accountable. Like not everything has to be a confrontation, but you have to hold the individual accountable. Like, and I feel like she didn't do that with me. Like yeah. I felt like I could have told her anything. She's like, yeah, yeah, that it's not your fault. Don't worry. I'm like, I, 
I don't I don't want to I don't want a yes person. You know, I want someone that's going to tell me, listen, you are a royal fuck up and you uh, need help and you were selfish in that in that um, experience and you, you know, X, Y and Z. I want someone to hold me accountable. Um, and then being in the field, they're like, oh, I know I know exactly what you're going to tell me. Right, you know? so it's right, just right. like I, I think therapy is great, but you definitely need to do your research. You yeah. know, I, I don't think you should base your experience off of like um, maybe you had a, you know, one bad experience, you know, definitely do your research, find out, you know, you know, do like a, like a little vetting process. Right. Yeah. Like, listen, I want to talk to you. I want to know if we have this connection. Um, a little bit like dating. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. You do a little speed dating. Right. Yeah. Like sit down. All right. In five minutes. Tell me why I should choose you. That's actually <laughs> a great idea. We should set up a speed dating with a counselor and a patient and just go around <laughs> and see who ma- that would be awesome. I mean, th- and theoretically, that is what's supposed to happen. Right. You yeah. should. Because every therapist also have their own style. Right. And they all they have their own school of thought on, on yeah. what to do things. So. You know what would end up happening, though? If we were in that, we would just get all of the patients. You know, yeah. 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 Like, yeah I to. want him. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, so I think takeaways for this is for sure. I think your friends have been like your cushion in 2020 and just being able to be vulnerable uh, towards them to let go of this idea that like no one understands me. No one's checking up on me like, and to catch those triggers. Cause I mean, you're, it's tough being in the field because yeah, you know, like the signs and symptoms, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to see them for yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think for me personally, the takeaway for me, I'm definitely going to be, uh, texting you a little (laughs) more often now. Um, yeah, because uh, it, it's it's so important to have that um, that social piece, man. And I think that's what's really been taken away from all of us yeah. in 2020. You know, you mentioned before how you were, you know, going wild at uh, Pier 150. Pier, uh, Pier 13. Pier 13. Yeah, yeah. I remember my first hug in COVID. Hmm. I remember I remember my cousin came over. He, he lives uh, in the next town over. It's funny because he moved here years ago and then I ended up finding this place here. And uh, he wanted to come over and visit. And Arlene was like, my wife, very much not, you know, keeping the COVID restrictions yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. Like, I used to have to come in, strip down, go right to the shower, like <laughs> all this. But he came over, and uh, this is probably in March, you know, March, April. And he just, like, gave me a hug. And it was, like, the best hug I've ever had, you know, yeah. I, I remember. Um, but I think also another takeaway is however you are living your life right now in quarantine and this pandemic um, and you are feeling okay, you know, it just be okay with that. You know, just you're doing the best that you can under the circumstances. And I think that's something people put a lot of pressure. Like they see people like open up businesses and losing weight and, you know, creating new lives for themselves. And like, I'm over here binge watching, you know, (laughs) Jane the Virgin. And like, I haven't done anything with my life. And you know what? I'm surviving. Yeah. I'm doing the best I can. Not everyone's going to be, you know, uh, uh, the next Bill Gates, you know, you know, creating Microsoft or something like that, you know, and and it's fine. Like, yeah, it's okay. It's a balance in the world. Yeah. And on top of that, some people that are doing that and showing that they're doing this, now they're faking it. You know, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's literally for the gram, you know, and then you get to know them and what they're doing behind the, behind yeah, yeah. the social media. And you're like, Oh, you're not really as successful as you're putting <laughs> out there, you know? Um, so no, listen, man, I appreciate you and, and, and being vulnerable. I'm uh, being vulnerable. I know it's not easy, you know, considering yeah, yeah. the work that you do, considering your background mm-hmm. and we haven't had a full conversation in freaking forever. Yeah, 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 so and I know it's, it's not either, but, uh, but thanks for so much for your time. And, and I hope that listeners can take away from all this. Yeah. I appreciate it. All right, my brother, I'll see you in a couple minutes. Yeah, <laughs> we flip it around. Take a water break. <laughs> <laughs> Up until this point in our lives, we've done the best we could with what we've known. 
Hopefully today we've come to learn something new so we can be better to give better. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Upstream. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the dot upstream podcast and join us every other Tuesday for fresh content. Until then, just keep swimming, friends.